0: Welcome to episode 640 of the Entertainment 2.0 podcast brought to you by TheDigitalMediaZone.com. I'm Josh Pollard.
1: And I'm Richard Gunther, and this is the show that puts you in control of your favorite movies, music, games, and shows. And I messed that up. Jeez, how long has it
0: been? I forget how to do this. I mean, as long as you list them, I don't know that it matters what order they come in. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. All right. Good. (laughs) Good, good, good. Yeah yeah uh it's been a couple weeks, but we're back. We're back and we've got a pretty packed show. We even have some listener feedback this week sent from a long, long, long time listener to the show. We've even met him uh previously at a home server show meetup. Wow, that is bringing back some history. uh this was sent into our inboxes at entertainment two zero at the dot com and it's from Alex. he says. Hey, Josh and Richard, although it's really just to me, Richard. Uh, he says, I want to add some feedback to the recent uproar over what potential changes in direction might happen with the Xbox and in parentheses, like bringing exclusives to other platforms, possibilities of a console, this future, etc. Firstly, I largely agree with everything Josh said in last week's podcast. I think we can just end the, the message there. Thanks, Alex. Oh, come no, on. I'm just kidding. <laughs> he said, and I'm trying not to get too worked up over this until we know for sure what Phil Spencer and team intend to do, which we'll probably know by the time the new podcast drops. He's right. That's one of our topics for tonight. Also, I should note that I'm not an Xbox person at all. The only Xbox I've ever owned was the 360. And that was purely as a Windows Media Center extender. Pour one out for Windows Media Center, he says. (laughs) So I don't really have a dog in this fight. That said, if the doomsday scenario is that Microsoft decides to stop making Xbox hardware altogether, I will be sad, not only because it's a great product with a great history, but also because I don't look forward to a Sony without competition. Which brings me to my indirectly related question. Is it possible for console makers to not just survive, but thrive without game exclusives? Gamers, myself included, typically hate the idea of games being exclusive to platforms, but I'm curious to hear if you think it's possible to compete on hardware, features, and price alone. My feeling is yes, absolutely but maybe it's not that simple. Maybe exclusive games are really the magic ingredient that both attracts people to and makes them stick with a platform long term. Anyway, love the show and love to hear your thoughts. Alex, this is a really interesting question, and I I hope that our listeners comment on the show, whether that's uh, on the, the website itself or over on the the YouTube version in comments there. I would love to hear everybody's answer to this question. My 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 two main feelings are that I I kind of don't want them really competing that much on hardware, because then it makes it even harder for the game developers to make games that support both platforms. I think that one of the reasons the 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 whole console gaming ecosystem has worked out so well since The PS4 and Xbox One generation is because the machines have been very, very similar. They've both used similar AMD APUs for their hardware uh, with almost no real differences between them. And that just makes things easier on the developers, which makes cross platform development easier. However, I don't think that most people would say, well, I really like the Xbox software experience better than playstation so much so that i would buy that instead i certainly would i think the playstation experience is pretty crappy it's pretty bare bones there's not that much to it the xbox experience i think is just a better more user-friendly experience that's why i prefer to game there i think it really does come down to these exclusives and as much as you and i and almost every other gamer out there hates them I think that will continue to be the differ the differentiator. That is such a hard word to say. Um, because that's really what it's gonna come down to for most people. And I and I don't think that's going to change. We'll get into more of my thoughts on that, I suppose, later when we get into the gaming segment later on in the show. Richard, I know you're not a gamer. You have any thoughts on this question?
1: In general, I think that the, uh, you know, I understand as much as I dislike. I understand the business reason for exclusives, and I would say that for historical titles like Halo, for example, which has been a product that I don't even was was it originally
0: Microsoft or was it a, a third party that that did the first Halo? It was originally supposed to be a PC game, and Xbox bought. Bungie, the studio that made it before it ever even released, so that it could be an Xbox launch exclusive. Okay. So it did end up being
1: and and they they kind of became Microsoft's in-house team for stuff, right? right? So I didn't have a problem at that point. I I do I do think now that we have, you know, basically the the gold rush of buying gaming studios and Um, you know, leaving the others out there just flailing, frankly, is a a really dangerous place for the gaming economy. And so I want to see, you know, I'm not answering the question, but I, I want to see a world where we don't have to have the exclusives for the consoles to thrive. But then I think you're right. They need to make the experience as good as it can possibly be. And I don't have a Sony machine to have any point of comparison. I just know that I've never liked their controllers. (laughs) Right. Right. So there's the physical hardware aspect of it too. And I don't frankly want like, you know, a tuxedo penguin sitting in my living room. So, um, you know, there's the physical design of products that I think plays into it. And maybe maybe alone from the software and and physical device experience, if they differentiate enough, they could make it work.
0: Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. I I don't I don't think we'll actually get there. Um, which you know we'll we'll talk about some more later. But yeah. So I I think we're all in agreement there. And we're definitely all in agreement that we don't want to live in a world where Sony is the only real game console maker outside of Nintendo, but they're not even really directly competitors. They, they do different things for gaming consoles. All right, let's jump into our, our news for this week. But thank you, Alex, for reaching out. And again, for everybody else, the rest of our contact information, we'll run through it at the end of the show or just head on over to the website, thedigitalmediazone.com. Use the contact form or find all of the other ways in the show notes on the podcast page.
1: Yeah. And by the way, like these kind of thought exercise questions, I love these. For sure. So don't feel like you just need to reach out if there's something you're having a problem with or um, you have a question about something. Seriously, I I love these. Hey, what do you think would happen if type of questions?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I listen to a lot of video game podcasts and stuff like that. I listen to a lot of people freaking out about this Xbox news. No one posed the question that Alex just posed. It was that, that was a really great Interesting. question. Really great question. All right. So let, let's jump into some industry news on the video side. We have Walmart making a bid to acquire Vizio, uh, a one of the, you know, they kind of feel like they've fallen out of the, this, like the number one spot is like the value TV to buy. I feel like TCL has been eating their lunch the last couple of years, but Vizio is still making some good, more value priced TVs. And Walmart is swooping in to make it their own for tidy little sum of $2.3 billion to purchase Vizio. And you might be wondering. So is this just about having their own TV brand for sale on their shelves? No, this has nothing to do with TV hardware. <laughs> it has. Well,
1: well, I mean, it may not have nothing to do because Walmart has crap brands on their shelves as far as TVs go. So to to get a good name brand there and it's your
0: owned and so it's less expensive. That's a win tube. It is a win too, but oh, okay, but it, you're right. But it's not the primary reason right. that, that Walmart is buying Vizio. The real reason they're buying Vizio is because Vizio has a service called SmartCast. It is their operating system on all of their televisions, just like every other smart TV in the universe. It has its own built-in app ecosystem, but most importantly, it has advertisements, and advertisements mean revenue. And so much so that for Vizio as a company, ads, not television sales or soundbar sales or anything like that, advertisements now account for the majority of Vizio's gross profit ads. Yeah. So does that mean that if, if Vizio has to go before Congress, um, and 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 the Congress people say, "Vizio, how is it that you make money?" They can just replay uh, Mark Zuckerberg's response when he was asked how Facebook makes money.
1: <laughs> well, yeah, but maybe they should actually say out loud, "Comma,
0: you idiots!" <laughs> right? So, I mean, the ads are the reason that TVs have come down so much in price. Like we would like to believe. That The reason TVs are cheaper than they used to be 10 or 15 years ago is because we've just learned how to make them more efficiently and all of that. And that's for sure partly true. But guys, when you can buy a 50-inch 4K TV for $150, that's not because the hardware is cheap. It is because of advertisements and because they are scraping your viewing habits and selling it to advertisers. So it's not even just about watching ads. It's also the data they're collecting from your viewing habits. Yep. And it's true across the board. All of the TV manufacturers are doing this, and Walmart wants a big slice of that revenue, which totally makes sense. Everybody's looking for that recurring revenue instead of just having one-time hardware sales. So This gives Walmart that edge. I think the next interesting question that comes out of this is, does Walmart eventually stop selling Roku, Amazon Fire TV devices, all of these other devices that are primarily just advertisement boxes that also on the side give you streaming video apps to watch?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I, I don't know. Did you happen to see what happened to Roku stock this week?
0: Uh, Only because of your post on Mastodon. I'm guessing it did (laughs) not do well. So uh, maybe coincidentally,
1: Mm. Roku (laughs) reported pretty uh, disappointing results in their latest shareholder um, event. And so their stock dropped, uh, I think it was like somewhere between 20 and 30% this week.
0: Oh my God.
1: It was a cliff. Wow. It, it was a cliff. And their stock had already dropped significantly from where it was in 2021. In 2021, they were trading at about 470. By the way, I'm a, a Roku stockholder. So, you know, take this for what it's worth. But it was it was trading at about 470 in 2021. It, today it was about $63. Now it dropped most of that. In 2022, but it had been hovering around 80 something and now it's down in the low 60s. So things are not going well for Roku because there's so many other people carving out their own space in this game. And frankly, they were just sitting fat and happy and Insiders that I knew who worked at the company kind of agree with that perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, not surprising. They haven't really done that much to make the Roku experience that much better, right? Whereas Google and Amazon have been doing a fair amount of things to try and make that a better and more connected experience across the, their entire ecosystems. So, yep. I we'll see how this goes. I, I think. Another question is, does Walmart rebrand Vizio to On, O-N-N? That's their
1: their in-house. Oh, oh, that would be a big, big mistake because the Vizio brand is well known by people who know and care about televisions. It's known as the budget brand as far as good televisions go, but it is a well-known brand. I think it would be a big mistake to turn that into a house brand.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Completely agree. Completely agree. Okay. Well, let's move on to one of Vizio's and now Walmart's competitors and talk a little bit about Amazon because we knew, we've been saying for weeks now, if not months, that Amazon was planning to make a change to the Amazon Prime Video service and make it so that if you just continue to use your regular Amazon Prime membership for watching the streaming service that you would now start getting advertisements if you didn't want to get ads in your viewing, then you could do that at the cost of two dollars and ninety nine cents a month well, it turns out this this insertion of ads is not actually the only change they made when they launched this new Tier, I guess we're calling it an ad free tier for $2.99 a month. Because what they also did is if you're not one of those people who's paying the extra $3 on top of what you're already paying for your Amazon Prime subscription, you no longer get Dolby Vision or Dolby Atmos in your streaming. And that sucks.
1: Yeah. So when. I started seeing stuff about this the day that folks discovered this. I thought, didn't we know this? Didn't we already know this and report on this? I thought we knew this. We didn't. Nope. This is the same thing, sort of. This is similar to what Max did. Yeah. So when Warner came up with their new tiers... One of the things that they also stripped out was all the Dolby stuff, because presumably Dolby has a licensing fee associated with it, as well as the fact that you're using more bandwidth to send out more channels of stuff, right? Right, right. More channels of, um, uh, of audio. And so I, I quickly realized that and then thought back about how sneaky this was. And I have a theory. I have a theory that they weren't planning to do this initially, but the conversion, meaning the people who actually signed up for the no ads version of Amazon Prime Video, was so poor that they decided they were going to have to increase the stakes. Hmm. And that this is something that may be more likely to get people to actually convert to the additional payment for the system. I, the service, I don't know if this would be it because I am finding the inclusion of ads really annoying. Really in, in Amazon prime video. Well, so here's the problem and, and Amazon, I think has just, you know, like they do, as you like to point out that they've done with their music service with the 17 different tiers (laughs) with the combination of freebie content in Amazon prime now and the new content or the, or the existing content that now newly has ads associated with it. And this whole Dolby thing that they've introduced, they've made a mess of the Amazon Prime video service. They've kind of, you don't really know what's what. You don't know what you should be expecting. Let's say I decide to pay the $3 a month. I'm still going to see freebie stuff in Amazon Prime as if it were an Amazon Prime offering. And I'm going to get ads with it. And that's Mm going to annoy the crap out of me. I think they've created a real mess here. And I, I believe that what they were trying to do was to promote preview by pulling the content in similar to how we are now seeing Hulu content in Disney plus. Right. Right. They're, they're cross promoting, but I I think it's degrading the overall content experience because now you're seeing so many ads in Amazon prime when that was not what you were expecting to see. And I think that too is going to convince people, oh, I should pay the extra $3 But they're still going to see those ads.
0: In the freebie content.
1: In the freebie content, which is still going to be part of your Amazon Prime thing.
0: Right, right. So how has your experience been for normal content, not the stuff inside of freebie?
1: So I don't like being interrupted by the ads. It's not very long. It's not as often, but I don't like the interruption. it's, it, it's better than YouTube does it. So, sure. you know, there's <laughs> that, <laughs> but, but I, I think it's to the point where I am starting to think even before this Dolby stuff, because I'll get into what's going on in my home entertainment system later in the show, but even without removing the Dolby stuff, I was starting to think, well, maybe I should just pay the $3 a month. Because really, even though everybody likes to say, oh, you're paying $100. No, you're not. You're getting this as part of Amazon Prime. You would have paid for Amazon Prime anyway. Right. And this is something you're getting for free as a part of it, except that now they're actually upping the price. So part of what you're paying is going toward this. But you're not paying $100 or $120 uh, a year for this. It's probably costing you more like $3. Now it's going to cost you another $3. And are you willing to pay that?
0: Yeah, maybe I am. I'm not. So I'm only watching The Expanse on Amazon Prime Video right now. And when I only watch one episode at a time, I see at max two ads. Mm-hmm. And they're 30 seconds each. Um, And they're usually not even together. This morning had an even longer run than usual. So I started one episode, completed it, started another one after that. In that situation, the first episode had two individual 30-second breaks, and then the second episode started with two 30-second ads before the the show actually started. That's not bad. And because I'm watching no, a show that is a TV show, like it has natural spots to put the put the ads. Yeah. And yep. and unlike YouTube, they actually display them at a time that makes sense. Yep. So I haven't found it bad at all. Certainly not to the point where I'm even considering giving them an extra $3 a month because I just don't find it that intrusive. Hmm. Another thing I haven't tested, but I've heard from other sources is when you're watching movies, there are no ads. Oh, ah, interesting. Yeah.
1: Interesting. I wonder if that is true throughout the library.
0: Yeah. Not sure.
1: Hmm. Okay.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I think I think the main thing I want to hit on with this story though is we're not upset here that they they're putting Dolby Vision and Dolby Atmos in a higher tier. That's actually normal. You mentioned Max. Uh Netflix does the same thing. You have to pay for the yep. top tier to get all of these features. The thing that was frustrating here is that it was never announced that this was right. going to be part of Of the change here. So that that was the frustration.
1: Yeah, that was sneaky.
0: So let's move on to talking about one of your favorite companies. Disney. All right. So who here
1: remembers Columbia music?
0: (laughs) That was the exact same thing that I thought of while reading this news article.
1: (laughs) So remember Columbia House where in the day it was records and then it was cassettes and then it was CDs. You had this opportunity to get a bunch of free music upfront and you had to agree to buy a certain number of music titles for, I think it was a year and then you could cancel after a year, but a, most people didn't and B it was an opt out program. So Every month they sent you something that said, "Oh, this is what your next title will be, unless you tell us not to send it to you." And if you forgot or you procrastinated, I'm a procrastinator, or you just had, it got lost in the mail or whatever, you ended up getting that next title next month. And the prices were not what you would pay at a discount, right? Like a record store or something like that. They they were uh, a little bit more than that. Well, Disney had one of those for their movies. And Disney's vault of movies is huge. They have an enormous library of content where you could get a bunch of movies. And I, I still remember the packs that they would send out with the stickers. And and you got all these stickers with the movie covers and you could decide which of the movies that you wanted and you'd take the sticker and you'd put them on the little postcard. They don't do that anymore. Then they started sending out just stickers of characters because kids love them. Stickers are great, right? I used to love stickers anyway. So they had a similar thing and it was for movies and it was for DVDs and then it was for Blu-rays and it was pretty much everything. Even stuff that was in the vault, which was This was one of the only ways of getting a lot of content that you otherwise wouldn't find anywhere else. Well, they are calling it quits. And this isn't a surprise because they've already pulled this back in Canada. And frankly, they've already stopped producing DVD and Blu-ray media in some countries like New Zealand. And so now they're actually moving their DVD Blu-ray production. With a deal through Sony. So Sony is going to actually produce their physical media, but it will no longer be available through this Disney movie club anymore. That's gone. That's going to go away. I think you have until May to order your last title, and then that's going to be it for the club. But after that, they're still going to produce movies on physical media, but they're not going to do it anymore. It's not going to be, and it's not like Disney had a DVD manufacturing company somewhere. They didn't, it was contracted out, but the (laughs) Sony does. Sony actually produces media. And so Sony is now going to be manufacturing the DVDs and Blu-ray discs that Disney releases for legacy titles from their library. And for new titles. So it'll be interesting to see how that plays out. Are they going to be willing, is Sony going to be willing to continue to produce titles that, you know, call them long tail titles, titles that are maybe, you know, 1953 movies that only get purchased maybe 20 copies a, a year or something like that, right? Are are they actually going to bother with production for something like that? Or are they going to scale the library back? I have thoughts. I think it's going to get scaled back pretty dramatically. I think this is the next step in the move we've seen of producing less physical media content and having less of it available in fewer outlets. You already, as of now, can't buy this content and actually I think it's the end of this month can't buy this content anymore in any Best Buy anymore. I don't know if Walmart is still selling physical media or not. For me, I go to Amazon. Interestingly enough, Amazon and Disney have not really gotten along too well when it comes to new titles. So you usually can't pre-order a new Disney title from Amazon. Until it's available. Amazon wants to get you to instead pre-order their prime video copy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, I, you know, I think this is a natural evolution. I don't know if you ever participated in this with your yeah. kids or if by the time your kids were watching TV, it was all available as streaming or on your Plex server or whatever else.
0: No, th- there were a few Blu-rays that I just went out and bought, but I-, I always looked at this as a as a service that was really dedicated more towards the hardcore Disney fanatics who I think so who really want some of those things that are only in the vault. Like I don't care about the titles that are only in the vault when Cars came out, or uh, I don't know, s- struggling to even think of Frozen and whatever came out. I just went out and bought the Blu-ray. Um, and those weren't hard to get, you know. I'm not trying to get Ferngully or whatever, you know, ancient Disney movie that they might have arbitrarily locked in the vault, or some harder for you to buy, like half dozen random live action
1: movies with Kurt Russell as a teenager. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I didn't know about these. Now I need in Richard. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So. I mean it's it's kind
1: of end of an era and probably do because most of the folks who might have done this clearly would have Disney plus now. They may still be buy, buying physical media. Like I still buy physical media, but I I I would love to have known and they're not saying what the numbers were in terms of um membership compared to what it was in its heyday (laughs) right
0: i'm sure it is a fraction of of (laughs) what it used to be (laughs) right a very small fraction of what exactly not not like nine tenths like yeah a a very small fraction no one is doing this anymore if richard isn't doing this nobody is doing this anymore (laughs) i actually never signed up for this wow i am shocked by that yeah Never
1: signed up because I knew that I would be bad at it because I was bad at Columbia House.
0: <laughs> well, you may be bad at something, but if you can learn your lessons, then I guess it's right? not so bad. Exactly. Cool. Well, let's move on to some audio news. I really feel like um, the, I, I, I could turn this podcast into or, or maybe just start a whole new podcast about my fascination around AuraCast. I am so excited about this Bluetooth audio technology, and you've you've heard me talk about it previously. But in case you forgot, AuraCast is a a relatively new feature in the Bluetooth spec that allows a uh, Bluetooth signal. So think like your TV or your phone or something like that to to broadcast that audio signal out to multiple devices. So right now. If you hook your AirPods up to your iPhone, your AirPods are the only AirPods hooked up to your iPhone. But with AuraCast, it allows, think, an unlimited number of devices to be, of headphones to be connected to something that is sending out Bluetooth audio. So every time I've talked about this, I've talked about it in larger settings like movie theaters that could utilize this or airports or, you know, things like that but there's also use cases in your own with your own personal devices and Samsung is apparently totally on board with this idea as long as you're in the Samsung ecosystem of course so i had missed this news last year so i'm going to kind of cover two stories at once here but late last year Samsung announced that some of their televisions really most of their higher end ones their neo qleds their oleds All of their higher-end TVs would support AuraCast. And then their highest-end headphones, their Galaxy Buds 2 Pro, would also support being AuraCast receivers. So if you had a high-end Samsung TV and these Galaxy Buds 2 Pro, and like everybody in your family has uh, a set of these earbuds, then you could... All listen to the audio from your TV in your own earbuds at whatever volume you would choose to listen at, which is cool, maybe not the most common scenario um, and actually the a lot of these higher end Samsung TVs already did support two simultaneous Bluetooth connections, both auracast it's theoretically basically unlimited, so it could be more than just you and your partner uh, enjoying it. The new news is that Samsung is now announcing that they are building OraCast functionality into uh some of their higher-end phones and tablets. So like Samsung Galaxy S23 and 24, some of their flip phones, basically like all of their expensive phones and all of their expensive tablets are now going to support OraCast. One thing that I don't know for sure is is it actually like just bluetooth standards compliance or is this really only working with galaxy buds 2 pro if you're using some other AuraCast capable bluetooth headbud earbuds will this work it ought to but i don't know for sure so i do want to throw that caveat out there i think the other question that people might be wondering is what's the use case why why do i need four people listening to audio from my phone at the same time the The best use case that I've come up with so far is on an airplane. If you and your partner or you and your kids or all of your kids want to be watching a movie on a tablet on an airplane, now they could be doing it with Bluetooth headphones instead of like hoping that your tablet has a headphone jack and then using headphone splitters and that everybody has wired headphones because nobody does anymore (laughs) because none of the devices have the jacks anymore. That I think is... Uh, one really good potential use case for AuraCast on these more personal devices. But I, I think we're going to come up with more and more reasons for doing this. Maybe you're running with a running group and you all want to listen to the same music in your Bluetooth earbuds. That would in work. In sync. Yeah, in sync.
1: I, yeah. I, I. So last time we talked about this, I talked about how I was going to be getting some hearing assistive devices or hearing aids that uh, supposedly support oracast and i'm wearing them now i don't have a device that uses oracast but i do have the ability to stream content through these and so i have an idea of what the experience would be like and it's for somebody who loves audio which is you know just it ironically sucks for someone who's losing their hearing is uh it's frustrating that the audio quality in an assistive device is not going to be like what you're getting if you're listening to something on your your airpods or your galaxy buds so i actually love that manufacturers who make these higher quality just normal audio devices are looking to incorporate it in because then you could potentially use devices like that to participate in broadcast audio in situations that we talked about before, like in a lecture hall or in a church service or other group events where they're using audio uh, auracast as a way of broadcasting the audio to individuals,
0: yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and Salex in the chat throws out another great use case for TVs with AuraCast sports bars with lots oh, of different sports games on. Right. That's fantastic.
1: Although I don't understand how you would select one, but yeah, right. I, I, it potentially that could be really, really cool. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That could be awesome. I like it a lot. So I'm going to keep looking for more and more AuraCast news. And frankly, Need to get some hardware to try this out for myself at some point here too, because I think it's fascinating and love to see where this is going. Cool. Hopefully, your hardware won't be the same as my hardware. No, it it shouldn't be. (laughs) (laughs) Not not for a while. Hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. All right. Let's move on to some gaming news, and when I say let's, I really mean me. Uh, So on on the last episode, I talked a lot about. The gaming media freaking out about these rumors that Xbox is going to start distributing all of their first party titles on PlayStation and Switch. And they would even be going so far as to stop producing Xboxes in the future. And all of these people feen- feeling betrayed by how could Xbox do this to them? It's a personal assault. It was ridiculous. And eventually, like, the, honestly, here, here's the thing. The biggest thing that Microsoft screwed up here is the thing that they always screw up here, and that is their communication strategy. They let these rumors go on forever. And then when they finally said something, they said, Don't worry, guys, we're going to tell you our strategy in a week. So it just gave people more and more time to freak out about what might be going on. So, what's actually going on? Well, not really all that much. So, are some of their titles going to other consoles? Yes. Is it Starfield? No. Is it Indiana Jones? No. At least, not likely. At the time, they said there are four games that we're committed to releasing on other platforms. We're not going to th- announce them today because we want to let our studios announce it at the right time for them, but you'll understand why it will make sense, essentially eventually it came out later, uh, really this week, I think. They officially announced that the games that are going to other platforms are Pentiment, which is a very small, uh, like, indie-style game. It's going to PlayStation 4, PlayStation 5, and Nintendo Switch on February 22nd. Hi-Fi Rush, which was one of the games rumored to be going to other platforms, is going to PlayStation 5 on March 19th. Grounded is going to to PS4, PS5, and Nintendo Switch on April 16th, and Sea of Thieves, another one rumored to be going to other places, will be going to PlayStation 5 on April 30th. Now, why these games? And, and why is this not a big deal that they are releasing these first-party games on other platforms? It's the reason that they're doing it that makes this really not that big of a deal. So, these games really fall into two categories. The first one is what they called in in their podcast to announce all of this, community driven games that are first iterations of franchises that Microsoft wants to invest in further. The two games that fall into that category, Grounded and Sea of Thieves. These are online multiplayer games, online persistent things. They're always adding new things. It is a big online community. Having it on multiple platforms makes the community even bigger, which is good for gamers. And they're releasing these with cross-play. So if you're on Xbox, this is a good thing for you that these games are launching on PlayStation because it means there will be more people playing and you can all play together. The, the other one, what they said was they described this as smaller games that were Quote never really meant to be built as platform exclusives, yada yada yada. And for for those, they're really talking about Pentiment and High Five Rush. These are small games; they're indie games essentially. And these types of games don't normally go as console exclusives because they're just not that big. And for them to make enough money to recoup their investment, they need to be available on as many systems as possible the other detail that's important for all of these games they've all been out for more than a year in in the case of Sea of Thieves i think Sea of Thieves came out in 2016 so it's not like these games just came out and now they're also available on everything else so if you're in that weird boat of people who likes platform exclusives and you're feeling offended that these games that were only for you on your sweet Xbox, are going somewhere else, well, it's not not like they're brand new and and going other places. They had to wait. These are timed console exclusives is the way to look at them now. The other thing that everybody was freaking out about was, well, this is the end of Xbox. They're going to stop making hardware altogether. They're not stopping making hardware. They announced that this fall, they're going to do a full announcement of some more hardware that's going to be coming. And they said, uh, yeah, we're we're working on the next generation Xbox. And while we're not ready to announce it, they said it will be the largest technical leap you've ever seen in a hardware generation. Now, that doesn't really mean anything because it's a large technical leap in, in what way? Is it teraflops? Is it some sort of cloud streaming hybrid function? Who knows? No, no clue what any of that means. The one thing we do know is it means that there will be another generation of Xbox hardware. So everybody freaking out for basically no reason over the last couple of weeks. And all it probably did was cause a few people to sell their Xboxes because they were nervous that there weren't going to be any more Xbox games for them to play. (sighs) Can I say it? Can I say it? Please. Idiots.
1: I mean, (laughs) what? So I don't understand. And maybe because you're a gamer, you have a better uh, finger on the pulse on this. But I don't understand why people care. If you have a game and you love it and you play it on your box, what difference does it make if it's going to be available on someone else's box? Is it that, oh, but that's my thing. I'm special. I mean, I I just don't get it.
0: It doesn't make any sense, Richard. Like, uh, logic has no place in this argument. I I, I don't get it. it, It's it's the same sort of, you know how how we like to make fun of, like, music hipsters? Well, I I liked them before they were big. Okay. (laughs) Do you like them after they're big? Like, why would you stop (laughs) liking them just because they... Are, are, oh, they like they sold
1: out. Money. They make a lot of money now, so they're not any good
0: anymore. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Like right. if you love a game, you should want everybody to get to play play that game. It it's it's stupid. I don't get stupid. it. Yeah. So uh, that's the biggest news on on the gaming front. The other one that I think is interesting and and worth pointing out this week is Sony announced this week that they are working. To make it so that you can use a PS vr 2 headset on PC. This one kind of surprised me because they did not do this with the original PlayStation VR. It only worked with the PlayStation 4. And I assumed the PlayStation VR 2 would only ever work with the PlayStation 5, but that's not what they're doing. They are actively working on making it so that at some point this year, they said this year, you will be able to plug your PSVR 2 into a PC and play PC games with your PSVR 2 headset. And I think that's great. I think it allows people who have gaming rigs to use a very expensive VR headset to play more games because the PSVR 2 is a $550 headset. That currently requires a $500 PlayStation 5 to utilize, and the the catalog of PlayStation 5 VR games is nowhere near the size of Disney's catalog. <laughs> so, uh, to 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 make a terrible comparison, it's just not very big. But if you can use that $550 piece of hardware and plug it into your computer and play basically any uh, PC-based VR game, then you're getting a lot more for your money and PlayStation over the last few years has been making a larger investment in PC gamers they've been porting their big console exclusives over to PlayStation a lot over the last few years so it it fits in with their strategy of starting to embrace PC gamers and i i think that's great news it's really one of the nicest things that i've said about PlayStation in months <laughs> I also wonder if this isn't kind of like a, a shot
1: over the bow at Apple. With mm. Apple now promoting this spatial computing environment, but really without any heavy game titles to speak of, is this Sony saying, oh, yeah, well, we can do
0: this, but um, we have the games. Right. It, it could be. Do do you want to do you want to hear another take that's super cynical? Sure. (laughs) (laughs) Because I have to be done saying good things about Sony, I guess. (laughs) Maybe like what if this is actually Sony going, this this PlayStation VR thing isn't working. We're not selling these. No one's buying them. The studios don't want to make games for this. But we can't abandon this platform when it just launched a year, like literally a year ago. This this thing launched in February of 2023. So what if we throw the community a bone and tell them your $550 headset, uh, at least it works on a computer. Sorry, we're done with it on PlayStation.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. I think that that's probably part of the equation. I don't think that that's really that cynical of you. They have something out there that hasn't been all that popular. But again, getting back to the Apple thing, and I've been really clear, there's no way I'm spending $3,500. <laughs> and by the time you add Apple Care and the lenses that I need and, uh, you know, everything else, because it doesn't come with a case. You want a case? <laughs> you have to buy one. So. By the time you spend over $4,000 on this thing, I'm not doing it. But you know what happened with a bunch of people that I know that were interested in VR because Apple was getting into that area? They went out and bought the Oculus device, the new thing the Meta Quest that 3. Facebook yeah. had announced because it was available sooner and cheaper. So it's kind of one of those you know, a rising tide thing may end up benefiting everyone. And so Sony could be seeing this as an opportunity to maybe turn this
0: around. Yeah. I I, I like your very cheery, optimistic approach to this.
1: (laughs) I'm trying to put a twist on your cynicism.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that is it for our news for really the last couple of weeks. So Richard, you teased a little bit about some issues you've got going on in your entertainment center. So why don't you tell us about it?
1: Yeah, and I don't think I even really put them down in my notes here, but so a couple things going on. I, I had mentioned a while ago that I was going to be moving the stuff from my now no longer supported, don't even bother Googling Drobo device to my Synology. And that was going to require really beefing up my Synology because I had something like 25 or 26 terabytes of content on my Drobo. So I've made the decision that each month I'm going to buy a new massive drive for my Synology. And my Synology was previously, I don't know, a Frankenstein device. It had a couple four terabyte drives, a five terabyte drive, a six terabyte drive, an eight terabyte drive. I mean, it was completely inefficient. It's not the way that you want to build a Synology device using their uh, redundant storage protection. And so I decided, okay, well, what's the maximum that I know this can support that's available? And I'll buy one of those every month. Because I want to spread out the cost. I'm not going to drop over $1,000 on all new drives at once. And so already I have purchased two 18-terabyte drives. And based on the way that the Synology optimizes the storage, I now have 20 terabytes of storage in my Synology. Even with all those other random drives, right? Like this is why I need to upgrade everything to the big drive. Because it'll be more... it'll, It'll be... Uh, better optimized. And next month doesn't get me much of anything. Next month, I think I get another two terabytes by adding another 18 terabyte drive. But the month after that will get me over the hump to be able to move all the rest of my movies over. So I've moved all the TV stuff off the Drobo. That's now on my Synology. And I plan to get the movies over as soon as I get that fourth drive in there. And that'll give me more than enough storage. I think that bumps me from like 21 to, if I remember correctly, I think it goes to like 32 right away. Like it's an amazing difference. So that's my plan on that. And, and that move has gone pretty smoothly. And I haven't done anything dumb like deleting libraries in Plex before I add the new redundant library. I'm doing it right this time. Again, I learned from doing it wrong the last
0: time. So proud of you. Yep. Yep. Uh, Just, uh, I've been out of this, like, I'm going to build a massive NAS scene for a long, long time. What is an 18 terabyte drive cost in the year of our Lord, 2024? About $280. Okay. Okay. Like, that's not insane for 18 terabytes of storage.
1: Right. Right. I would have paid that probably for an eight. Terabyte drive <laughs> right. just about three years ago, yeah. right? So, not all things are going up in price or suffering from shrinkflation. All right. So, the other thing that I, I've been doing is we decided to replace the fireplace in our brand new house that we bought two years ago. <laughs> and the fireplace is in the family room. And the fireplace Mantle had a place for the TV to go, but I was not going to put my TV above
0: the fireplace. Instead- Right, because that is always the wrong answer. Maybe not,
1: uh, but it's typically It's almost always the wrong answer, says the guy who has a TV over the fireplace in his rental property. But it's almost always the wrong answer. And instead, I had a picture over the fireplace and- a unified wireless access point hidden behind said picture. That's brilliant. I love it. It, it was great. It was, it was perfect. There's nothing obscuring it. It's not a Faraday cage of any sort. It's just canvas. It was It was the perfect place to put an access point. But now that's all under construction. And so every day I have to unplug that. And every day I have to plug that in. And by the way, this is like maybe two feet away from where the television is. And so the cables are nearby there and people are working on this every day. And this is an ordeal. They had to take all the facing off it. They had to take the framing off it. They put a new fireplace. It's a gas fireplace. They put a new fireplace in. Then they had to reframe it. Now they're putting the surfacing on it. And every single time they work on it, they seem to mess up something with the television. And even tonight, before we sat down to record, I have a text message from Edward that the TV isn't working because of course it isn't because stuff just got messed up and it's all, all this technology is just still too stupidly brittle and you mess with one thing and you could just impact things down the line that you don't expect. So that's been fun to deal with. Um, and then the other thing that I wanted to mention was that I've been, I don't know why, except that a couple months ago, I heard some people talking about tracked T-R-A-K-T, which is a service for tracking what you watch, what you want to watch, looking up what's out there and where it's available. It's kind of an all-in-one app for all the stuff that I do with like IMDB and TV time and just watch. And so I thought, all right, well, I'll, I'll look into using one of these apps that's based on this platform. And it's, it's a platform that has multiple apps running against it, but I chose tracked. And as a result, I abandoned TV time, which is what I used to use for tracking what I watch. Well, tracked is really, A lot. There's just a lot there. And it's not as easy to use and as simple to use as TV time. And so, what I've found happening is that I'm not keeping track, (laughs) ironically enough, as well of the stuff that I watch using tracked as I was when I was watching TV time. So, I have a funny feeling I may be switching back to TV time. But if you remember much about what I've said about this app on my iPad, is that it doesn't really get updated very often. And every once in a while, I wonder, is the very likely one developer who maintains this really going to keep maintaining this thing? Whereas the platform the Tract is on is something that has multiple apps running against it. It has an income stream because they have a uh, a paid version that you can sign up for and they have advertising and all that stuff. And I'm just, I'm conflicted now. I don't know what to do, but the better product, if you don't use it, isn't the better product, right? So yeah. All right. So what I've been watching, it's been weeks. So I'll try to get through this quickly. Uh, Ghost UK, even though Ghost US has restarted, we haven't watched that yet. We're still kind of keeping up on Ghost UK. I think we're on season four now. I finished season three of The Mandalorian, really enjoyed that. Got back to watching Andor, but I'm watching that with a friend of mine, so I don't get to watch that as often as I want to. That's a very good series, and I, 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 I love where it fits in the Star Wars saga and and basically starting to understand the genesis of the rebellion. It's, it's a fascinating part of the story that we haven't gotten this close into before, so I do want to keep watching that. Every once in a while, I go back and I watch another episode of The Courtship of Eddie's Father or The Bob Newhart Show. But apparently, it's been a while since I've watched The Bob Newhart Show because back in September, apparently, Hulu announced that they were ditching The Bob Newhart Show. They had all six seasons available there. And so now it's only available in max. And when I went to watch a show or an episode just a couple nights ago, I found that my Apple TV wanted me to pay for the episode. I'm like, what are you talking about? So I started digging through the menus and found that, oh, okay, I have to buy the season if I want to watch it. So I did. I bought season three because that's the one that I'm in the middle of. But seasons four, five, and six are available for free on Max.
0: Why does this always have to be so
1: complicated? Right? Right. Why does it, right, right, exactly. And, and this is the thing that I think is so ridiculous when every company is out there, every, every um, uh, studio is out there saying, we need the thing for our brand alone. And then they end up just buying stuff from other studios to show on their brand because they had to have their own brand. It's just absolutely ridiculous. Uh, the irony here is that shows that Hulu got rid of that with this swath that they uh, just wiped all these shows out with included things like Ally McDeal and The Practice, which were ABC series. Right. Which is Disney, which is who owns Hulu.
0: Yeah.
1: <sighs> I just don't get it. All right, speaking of Disney, we watched Disney's series around the story Percy Jackson and the Olympians. This is a series of books, and there were some movies around this earlier that we had, Edward and I had watched and we enjoyed, so I wanted to watch the series basically took the first movie and turned it into 8 hours of a TV series. I liked it. I thought it was good. He was less patient with it than I was.
0: You're nodding your head? Did you watch this as well? I did. I although I totally forgot to add it to our list. Um th- this is a series that my wife and daughters love. They my oldest daughter was in a musical for Percy Jackson a couple of summers ago. Yeah. yeah. This is this is a series that was very much anticipated in my house i didn't watch every single episode with them but i watched a lot of them and it, it was really well done better than the movies movies weren't really that great yeah which is probably why they stopped making them yeah so
1: and then um ever I finished watching the crown i think i did mention that before and so now we're like, okay, well now what? Now what are we going to watch? And he's really hard to please in terms of stuff that we want to watch together. So we decided, I think I had mentioned that we were going to maybe watch that girl, the uh, Marlo Thomas series from the sixties, I think it was. And we ended up watching pilot episodes for that girl, bewitched, I dream of Jeannie and green acres. <laughs> This and, makes you sound so old. I know, but it was just fun. It was it was just fun going back and watching these original pilots for these series that are each like 50 years old or more. Most of them were were older than that, right? right. So actually all of them were older than that. All of them were at least 60 years old. So it it was fun, and we've ended up watching a bunch more episodes of Bewitched since then. And Bewitched is available on Freebie with ads. Yay. Watch through Amazon Prime. So, yeah, there's that. Uh, We watched some movies, a a bunch of movies, actually. We watched the second version, the the second movie, Enola Holmes. So, Enola Holmes 2 on Netflix. That is the sister of Sherlock Holmes played by the uh, the woman who played Eleven in the Stranger Things series. She's great in it. It's a lot of fun. If you like the first movie, you'll like the second movie. We watched the second Shazam movie, Shazam, Fury of the Gods. If you liked the first movie, um, well, I don't know who would like the second movie, frankly. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's that. And then we watched Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. And we thought the fourth movie was too many. The fifth movie was definitely too many. And then we rewatched Cruella, which was the kind of backstory telling from Disney of the story behind the woman in 101 Dalmatians. We've seen that before. And of all of these movies, that was the best.
0: Yeah. that's really better than in all homes too. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cruella. Have you seen Cruella? It's, really good. I've seen it's,
0: bits of it from it's my kids watching. It's really watch. good. Oh, okay. They did a they did a, a
1: it was it was surprisingly good. I didn't I never expected to like it as much as we do. Hmm. So and then ebooks we finished Outlive by Peter Atia uh for the uh book club that I'm in. And then we followed that up with Unreasonable Hospitality, a book written by a restaurateur who uh I got some fame by their book being read by one of the characters in the bear. And that's how we heard about it. And so I had purchased it and we talked about doing this in our book club and we did do it. Amazing book. I, I, we, almost all of us read through or listened through or read through all of it by the time we were supposed to discuss the halfway point. It was just so good. and. If you're thinking, yeah, but I'm not into restaurants. It's not my thing. I don't care about starting a restaurant. This is about how you do amazing things to make your customers or clients like thrilled with your service. If you are in a service industry of any sort, and if you're a consultant, you are, or if you provide services inside your company to other organizations in your company, you are, this is an amazing book. And I highly, highly recommend it. Cool. All right, that was a lot. It wasn't short. I'm sorry, Josh. It's okay. Mine is short,
0: (laughs) (laughs) especially since I'm forgetting some of the things like uh, (laughs) Percy Jackson. So on the gaming side, so I we didn't have a show last week because I was traveling for work, uh, which also meant I didn't really watch or game or do anything of sorts. You know what? Neither of us put on our list, but I bet we both watched the Super Um, Bowl. yeah, I did not. What? You didn't watch the Super Bowl? I did not. Not even for the ads? Not even for the halftime show?
1: Nope. I thought you were going to say the New York special election. I did watch that.
0: <laughs> no, Richard. No, I did not watch that. <laughs> Super Bowl, not really all that interesting this year. Uh, it wasn't really that good of a game, especially the first half. At the end, I guess, you know, it goes into overtime. That's more interesting. The ads were just okay, maybe better than last year, but not super fantastic. But I did watch that. Outside of that, I didn't really watch a whole lot of TV. Haven't even really played that many video games of late, mostly because of travel and and everything that goes with that. I have played some more Sifu, which I mentioned last time. Uh, Still enjoying that game, still getting my butt kicked in that game, but feeling like I'm starting to eventually get better at it. It's cool. Uh, really, the only things I've been watching have been The Expanse on on Amazon Prime. So I'm now into season five. I think there's six. Yeah, it's a great show. It's a really great show. Love it. I uh, highly recommend. Um, and then books. I think the last book I recommended was um, something by A.G. Riddle or something like that about uh, the something trials. I don't remember. I loved
1: this book. I could tell
0: I did. Well, I did. I I liked it a lot and I I did highly recommend it. Then we had our book club discussion of it and I realized that it really was just kind of okay. Um, So if you haven't read that one, maybe don't. And instead, if you're listening to this show and you like fiction, you should read The Future by Naomi Alderman. It is so good. It is so so good, and and I'm going to highly recommend the audiobook version of it because it's not just the author reading it or just one particular narrator who happens to do a good job. They actually have a whole cast of narrators reading it, and it brings a lot to the characters. So you're you're I'm telling you that to read this book, but I haven't even told you what it's about. It's ah the last book that I. Forgot the name of, it was called the Extinction Trials. This is sort of, it's not really the same, but it's, the idea here is a bunch of super rich people trying to figure out how to plan for the fact that eventually this world is going to go through some sort of cataclysmic event that's going to wipe out most of humanity. So what do they do to save themselves, essentially? And it basically takes place in essentially now. and the characters and the companies involved are fictitious but it's very obvious that it's like facebook and amazon um and <laughs> it's so so good i'm not going to give away anything else but it is really good very thought provoking very well written the audio narration is excellent put it like if you try to get it from your library you're going to be waiting weeks because everybody's reading this right now it's really good just go buy it. It's that, it's that good. It's really, really good. Huh? So I'll have to put this on my
1: (laughs) wish list, looking through the, like the, just the brief synopsis here though, it almost makes it sound a little bit like an, uh, an anti-capitalist perspective, which I
0: don't have a lot of patience for. Is it, is it that there is? A little bit of that like mentality to it, but it goes mm-hmm. in a slightly different direction that redeems some of that. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. I mean, huh. I'm a capitalist too. I think capitalism is good. We're doing some stupid things uh, with Ooh, capitalism. Well, right now.
1: more realistically. That's- what are we going to do otherwise? It's not going to change, <laughs> right. right? So I'm not going to agonize about capitalism being bad since it's not going to change. Well,
0: so so read the book. It's really, really, okay. it's a really interesting take on where we are now and where things could go. So cool. I won't say anything else. Yeah, it's good. It's really, How many hours? Fifteen ish.
1: Uh, oh, I actually, need something to do between
0: book club picks while I'm going to the beat. One of the people in my book club discovered it is available on Spotify's audiobook library. And I think it's just under that 15 hour limit that Spotify gives you per month. So mm. that's also an option. If you can't get it from your library, you probably can get it from Spotify if you're a Spotify premium subscriber. Cool. Which doesn't help you, Richard, but it does help well, a lot or it's books. an or or it's an audible credit. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, that's it for what's going on in my entertainment center also, and basically everything else in the show this week. If you'd like to get a hold of us, we're available all over the place. I am on Twitter at Josh Pollard. Uh, The website is also over there at DigiMediaZone. Richard and I are both on Mastodon. He's Richard Gunther. I'm Josh Pollard. And then we try to do the show live most of the time. Uh, Right now we're Typically hitting Wednesdays, I know it's Thursday this week, but it was a weird week. Uh, Wednesdays, 8.30 p.m. Eastern, typically follow us on social, and you should see a a tweet or message or whatever the systems are calling it nowadays, or just show up one of these weeks and subscribe to us on Twitch, and Twitch will notify you when we've gone live. Also, if you're watching this on YouTube, like and subscribe so that you get future Notifications. If you're not watching this on YouTube, well, go to YouTube and like and subscribe anyway. And then maybe you can watch (laughs) it there too.
1: (laughs) Or, or again, like I like to point out more importantly, if there's specific things that you're interested in, you can see some of the key segments and
0: just those segments on YouTube. Right. Easily shareable with all of your friends. Yeah. So that is going to do it for episode 640. He's Richard Gunther. I'm Josh Pollard. Thanks for listening to Entertainment 2.0. Adios. Goodbye.